And yes, happy Tuesday, everyone. December 20th, 2016. That's right. Santa Claus, just five days away. I am Chris Morales, the TrojanSports.com podcast special edition. We finally do a message board show. It's been a while. We've had a lot of your questions at the board right there at Trojan Talk and at TrojanSports.com. Chris Swanson is geared up. For almost a 90-minute extravaganza of asking your questions as we get closer and closer to the 103rd Rose Bowl, USC Penn State, January 2nd. At the Rose Bowl, can't wait. We are going to have more previews coming up, a few more shows until then, until the beginning of the year. But we wanted to go ahead and answer your questions direct from Trojansports.com. So let us not wait. Take it away, the publisher of Trojan Sports, Mr. Chris Swanson. Thank you so much for the introduction, Chris Morales. Welcome to our podcast, Question and Answer Show. After a bye week, uh, let the questions build up a little bit from you guys, and, and we're looking forward to getting into them right now. have plenty, I think more than 20 questions uh, to get to this in this edition of this podcast, so it should be fun. I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, solo show today, you can ask my staff on the message board, why ask loud? Please go ahead, uh, you know, many times over and over again. Post as much as you want. Just have fun. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going to jump right into it with the questions that we have building up in this thread. So we're going to start with Poor Me 9, our good friend Poor Me 9, who likes a lot of my posts, I've noticed. Hits up uh, many times on my posts, so I appreciate that. So I'm going to give him a little shout-out for that. Um, anyway, he asks, or she asks, I should say, Hey, guys, love the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. Keep up the great work. When it comes to recruiting, is there times you guys find out insider information but choose not to report it as not to interfere, interfere with the recruiting process? Fight on. Yeah, it actually um, it happens. Uh, I know Scott Schrader probably has a lot of stories, and he's obviously not on the show today. Um, but you know, I, I have some uh, some stories as well. Uh, my favorite actually involves somebody who was on my staff uh, for a while. Really good reporter Devin Ugland, uh, who did basketball and football recruiting for us for a while. Also covered the basketball beat for us for a while. Great guy. Uh, he was actually. Uh, on the scene when uh, Frank Martin committed to Bob Connolly, uh, he Frank Martin did it right in front of him without knowing that he was a reporter for us. Uh, it was it was on campus, uh, not on, not at USC, um, at uh, Modern Day. But uh, yeah, it was just a funny thing. And then uh, Frank uh, asked him not to say anything, so he just got the story ready to go, and uh, that was probably. Uh, one of the funnier stories that I remember when we just kind of walked into something that was like, oh, wow, we know Frank Martin is committed to USC, like, right now. It just happened. Uh, but we decided to hold off on it uh, to respect somebody's wishes. So, uh, yeah, that was a good story. Um, and that's really the one that jumps out to me uh, off the top of my head. And great question. I love the fact that we started with one of those. So thank you, Poor Me 9. Bolster B7 is up. Um asking a, a couple questions why not uh first with justin davis coming back uh full strength for the rose bowl do you, do we see him getting the bulk of the work or the coaches writing the hot hand of rojo this was actually uh answered in practice um as uh Adamaya reported uh that rojo is is going to be the starter uh going forward um which i totally get um you know he seems like he's he's kind of the guy right now that's uh this jumping out in front uh a bit but uh you know i i feel like justin davis as an older guy is is you know he he's put his work in 
he uh you know he deserves carries too so that's just one of those tough situations that's kind of worked out uh you know it just in a way that makes sense but you know i also feel like you could argue for justin davis as well um also, um, as for preparing uh, for the bowl game a bit differently than last year's, I would say yes and no. Um, no, because uh, you know their practices. You know, you, there's not much different that you can do. Um, I believe that you know uh, players were even asked these questions. Um, you know about preparation if it differed, because I know that there. You know, a lot of people were upset, uh, kind of with how bowl preparation was handled last year and a lot of players said no uh, you know uh, during the first week of practice when they were asked about this um, so I don't think it's too much different but I think it is a little bit different just because USC didn't go to that championship game they're going to be a little bit fresher they have more time uh, you know also because it is the Rose Bowl and it is a bowl game that's later uh, obviously after the new year um, so I think eventually things will seem differently because USC can kind of approach things differently. So, yes. Uh, thank you, Bolster B7, for the question. Really appreciate it. Alex Bow is up. Given our performances in the last two weeks, I'm a little worried that we may have peaked in the Washington game. Do you guys think we can get back to that level in the Rose Bowl? Alex, I know you're going to catch some flack for asking a question like that, and, and I know you did in the thread. That's why I bring it up, because uh, I'm looking ahead. But uh, I actually, I totally see your point. Um, it seems like USC played a very, very good game against Washington, which they obviously had to do to go up you know, to Seattle and to beat the number four team in the country, uh, you know, like, like they did. Um, but after that, I see your point because UCLA and Notre Dame were hopeless teams. They're both, you know, they both have losing records. They're both pretty, um, you know, pathetic given their brand name. Uh, I would say I know UCLA is not much of a brand football uh, name, but they should be better than four and eight as well. Uh, neither one of those teams really had a chance to beat USC, and I didn't. I didn't think USC played well uh, against those teams. I thought that uh, UCLA jumped out on them scored early on them and you know obviously usc blew ucla's doors off after that but that ucla team was really bad and i thought it was it was a kind of a concern uh to see them be able to put up 14 points on usc early i know they didn't do anything on offense after that and they couldn't stop usc either but to me that's a concern and i get i get where you would feel like usc did not play well in that game because their offense didn't really play that well they could, you know they kind of methodically scored on ucla but they didn't just overwhelm them you know it didn't feel like um you know that 50 to nothing game or you know some of the games under uh Pete carroll you know where it was is just you know there was no chance and usc scored it well and shut them down there there were times early when the defense looked Questionable when Adore Jackson looked questionable, I guess is fair to say because he did give up the two touchdowns in that game. And then the offense kind of didn't, you know, just kind of sputtered along and it was good enough. And, you know, they were able to run on UCLA and it didn't really matter, but they, they didn't look explosive. So I get your point. And same thing with Notre Dame. Notre Dame, that game was close and tight and was a dogfight until, you know, USC scored, you know, on a pick six and, and, uh, you know, got an, other turnovers that gave them scoring position and scored on special teams plays. I know all that matters, but 
that game was decided by these explosion plays. Um, and I think that's a concern, too, because before those things happened, I felt like that USC-Notre Dame game was tighter than it should have been, much like I felt, uh, you know, a similar feeling that I had to uh, the USC-UCLA game early. And uh, so I think it is a concern, especially when, you know, USC is going to play in the Rose Bowl, is going to play a top-10 team. USC has to play like they did against Washington. They have to have a very good game and play their best to win because, you know, usually against a top 10 team, that's how you have to play. Uh, so I, Alex Bell, I think it's I think it's a fair concern. I do. Um, I get where you're coming from. I think that where you can kind of um, feel good about those two performances is that you, I felt like USC's defense did very well uh, in terms of just the overall games, both games. I know early against UCLA, I mentioned they had some struggles, but I think overall they looked good. And I thought that, you know, the the offense kind of sputtered because teams were planning for Sam Darnold. Uh, but they those two teams couldn't account for what else USC was doing. I know they're bad teams, but that's why I wouldn't be too concerned because I think defense is the most important part of football and USC's defense still looks really good. And I feel like, you know, if if the offense can just kind of tweak some things and figure it out, they should be fine. And they'll be motivated for a team, you know, a top 10 team. They'll, they'll probably play their A game and play up to the level of their opponent instead of playing down to the level of their opponent, which they might have been doing, uh, you know, in some of these Pac-12 games recently. So, but fair concern. And uh, I, I think that you're right on the money with that question. Thank you so much for asking it. Mr. Travelier is up next. He asks uh, about scholarship math. Can you review how many scholarships we have to offer next year? How many scholarship athletes do we have now? How many seniors? How many early NFLers do we expect? Any blue shirts from last year? If we run up against the limits, i.e. use up all of the 25 scholarships but not the 85 total limit, do you think they will have any opportunities to use the blue shirt thing? Also, could you comment on blue shirts in general? Do you think the blue shirts we have gotten are as good a quality player as the other scholarship players or are they a step down from the others? I know we needed them to get bodies to cover holes, but I don't think we are as desperate for players as we were so maybe fewer of these folks in the future thanks fight on p.s look looked at scholarship distribution chart that's on our website by the way it's a great tool thanks adam maya for doing all the work there and it looks like we currently have 80 scholarships and 14 seniors this gives us 19 available due to graduation and the current shortfall we need to add to that available any transfers, early NFL entrants, or other losses? Do those total six? If not, we don't have 25 rides. Max Brown is not included in the current total, awaiting your insight. Thank you for that in-depth question, Mr. Travelier. You kind of lost me on a few things there. You could probably tell in the tone of my voice. Um, yeah, but you know what? I'll dive right into it. I, I think I have an answer for most everything uh, that you're asking. Um, okay, uh, you started with uh, how many scholarships USC has to offer next year. Uh, resident scholarship professor Adam Maya has been posting on the message boards 23. Um, I'm going to stick with that answer. Um, how many scholarship athletes do USC does USC have now? I believe you said 80 in your answer, and that's what we have uh, posted uh, on our site i believe looking at that though that uh and you know i'm i'm 
I haven't looked at it in depth, so I'm not sure if it's 100% accurate. I believe that it is. But I know that uh, Jabari Ruffin was suspended indefinitely, so... You know, that number might be lower. It probably doesn't matter um, because he's a senior. So I don't think that it matters for uh, most everything that you're asking. Anyway, um, yeah, okay. How many seniors? 14, I believe, is what you said. And yes, that's what I'm looking at too. I see 14. Um, you know, also Jabari Ruffin is in that number. So 13, 14, depending on how you want to look at that. Uh, how many early NFLers do we expect? You know, I'm going to say, uh, three, uh, honestly, cause I, I think it's, uh, Judy Smith Schuster and Adore Jackson. I think that they're the obvious ones. And then I, I expect, you know, one of these offensive linemen to go or just somebody that's a surprise to go early. I expect it to be the, one of the offensive linemen. Uh, so, that's that's where I'd lean. So uh, that's where I'm leaning anyway. So I'd say three. That's uh, that's what I expect. Um, any blue shirts from last year? Uh, I yeah, the the blue shirts from last year uh, that counted in this class. Uh, Michael Brown and Stevie Toykolavatu. Um, that's my understanding. I'm not. I'm not really sure how Stevie Toy Kolavatu kind of works out uh, with all that, uh, you know, since he is uh, obviously an older guy, you know, a guy that's going to be gone. Um, but you know, those were the two blue shirts last year. I believe that's why Adam Maya is posting 23 and saying that is because of those two guys. Uh, you know, as, a, as 23 being the total number of scholarships this year, as uh, because of those two blue shirts. Um, so yeah, those are the two blue shirts from last year. Um, as for using the blue shirts this year, which you also ask about, I think that's definitely a possibility. Uh, I, I think that when you, you get into that idea of thinking, you know, we should do this, this might be a good idea. You can kind of always play that game every year, adding blue shirts, uh, because you know, you're just, you're taking out of the well for next year and you can just always continue to do that indefinitely. It's a possibility. I've asked people about it. They've said it's a possibility. It's always a possibility. We usually don't find those things out until right up and, you know, until the end. Um, USC might not have to do that this year though, because I think the, the class they're going to bring in, uh, you know, might address almost everything they need and they might not have to take, you know, a guy, uh, that they have to reach for. Um, obviously the, you know, last year's class, those blue shirts weren't guys that they reached for. Uh, Stevie Tuikolovacci was a big need. Michael Brown, uh, you know, a kicker. I get that. That's a little bit different, I think, than just taking a normal blue shirt. So we'll see we'll see but i think it's a, a definite possibility as for commenting on blue shirts in general i think there's good and bad to it um i think uh you know i, I think it can be smart i look at deontay burnett and uh you know usc basically uh convinced a guy that had scholarship offers to michigan and arizona state uh to jump into their class as an addition and to count towards next year and he was fine with it and he did it and it worked out and you know it's working out great uh, for USC, I think some, you know some of the other guys that they've blue shirted uh, recently. You know, could like you said in your question, you know they had holes to fill. It made sense to take those guys in in a class. Uh, you know, as as basically a member of the next class, which is what a blue shirt is. It made sense. Uh, you know, to fill a hole to get depth in there. 
so I get it. I, I, I think that it does uh, make sense. Um, in general, are they as good of quality as a player as other scholarship players? Are they, or are they a step down? That's what you ask. I think that it's both. Um, I think that you can look at it both ways because uh, it depends on who you're comparing them to. Uh, for example... Yes, uh, like, you know, a Juju Smith-Schuster and a Dory Jackson, a five-star guy, he's not going to blue shirt anywhere. He has an opportunity to go anywhere right away. You know, so, you know, most of the time, USC is not going to get a blue shirt that can compare to a five-star guy. You know, almost never, basically never. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Um, on the other hand, the other side to that is, is that sometimes you do get guys that, you know, are very legitimate and do compare to other guys on the roster. Look at Deontay Burnett. He's a blue shirt, uh, but he had offers from Michigan, Arizona State, some other big schools, Washington State, I believe. And uh, look at him on the roster, and he fits right in, and, and he looks better than a lot of the receivers that they offered full-time scholarships to. And sometimes, you know, with four-star guys like Deontay Burnett, you know, you're basically, sometimes you don't know who's better than who. It's a guess. It's an educated guess, and sometimes those things change. And so, yes, uh, you know, when you have a guy who's like that, like you know, he can he can fit in very well and be, be a more talented or a better player than some of the other guys on the roster without question. Um, I think we're waiting for somebody else to prove it the way he has. But, I mean, you look at the other guys that USC's blue-shirted in recent memory. And the guy that jumps out to me, I think, of, of Clayton Johnson. Uh, the offensive lineman uh, is a guy that, you know, he had other big-time offers. He was a highly ranked offensive lineman. I mean, that's a guy that USC could have, you know, just offered a regular scholarship to, and nobody would have uh, would have really thought anything differently of it. Uh, nobody, you know, would have questioned it, or he could have gone somewhere else, and nobody would have, you know, thought, oh, this guy doesn't fit in. He, he should be a blue shirt somewhere. He's he's He was supposed to be a very talented player coming out of high school. So... I think you can kind of, uh, you know, just look at look at it both ways. They're not going to be a five-star guy. But when you're looking at a bunch of three- and four-star guys, a lot of those guys are the same. A lot of these guys, you know, are very similar. Uh, it's why sometimes you see coaches make evaluations and maybe take a three-star kid over a four-star kid, you know, and disagree with the rivals' rankings. A lot of these kids are very close, and they're all very good athletes. And I think that once you stop looking at, you know, the five-star obvious, you know, number one kids or the rivals 100 kids, a lot of these kids, you know, it's kind of uh, pick and choose, you know, make an educated guess, you know, who's who's number 250 and who's number 300. Uh, who, you know, what's the difference between those two kids? So, um, yeah, I, I think that sometimes you can get a blue shirt that's really, really good. As for your PS about, you know, um, you know, it seems like USC only is going to have 19 available scholarships unless other things happen. Other things will happen. Um, you asked if that got the total to six, you know, the difference between 19 and 25. You can tell I kind of put this all together in my head, uh, what you were asking. Uh, it, it won't. I think it will get them to 23 though i do because uh 23 is the number with the blue shirts obviously that usc has and we're talking about four players i think you know you can say hey uh i think juju smith schuster and adoree jackson are probably gone that would get you to 21 right there a third player as i mentioned probably an offensive lineman uh will go uh, i think that that you know that puts you at 22 
and you just need one more and somebody's going to transfer probably more than one person just because of playing time or whatever else and uh you know usc will have will have the numbers to take as many guys as they can i think Uh, i don't think that's going to be a problem at all and now it's trojan fan 68 our friend nick from cyprus who says hi this is nick from cyprus hi nick roll call slash shout outs my favorite part chris swanson aka trannies that's a great restaurant in san pedro by the way chris the dirty harry trout rodriguez morales rest in peace blair and gulo Adam, The Hobbit Lane, The Wood, Gorney, Mr. 305, Mike Singer, a.k.a. German Justin Bieber, The Recruiting Guru, Scott Sifu Schrader, Murph the Don Baldwin, and last but not least, Adam Maya. First off, rest in peace to Joe McKnight. Completely agree. Rest in peace to Joe McKnight. Totally agree with that. No more senselessness. Couldn't have said it better myself, Nick. Question. What's Kevin Scott's pad level? LOL for Adam. No, seriously. That's a joke question. I loved it, Nick. I know Adam appreciates it, too. Football. Who's the MVP of the defense, offense, special teams, surprise player of the year, and freshman of the year? Recruiting, what are the chances of getting Jay Tufili and Marvin Wilson? Last, let's get some basketball talk. Team, season, and recruiting. Okay, I'll, I'll get on that. Last, again, I can't wait to meet everyone at Yard House in Long Beach. Yeah, if, you, if you're if you into that, come on down, guys. Uh, join the message board and figure out what time that's at. I know Adam Maya won't be there, but would love to meet Chris Morales. He won't be there either, Nick. Fight on. In case you're wondering, Scott Schrader and I will be at uh, Yard House in Long Beach at a date that our subscribers know about on the message board. So, uh, thanks, Nick, for putting that in the question uh if you guys want to join us uh you know jump on in join the join the site i guess and uh you're welcome to come join us and uh talk a little recruiting and you know all that fun stuff but i'll get to next question now hold on i have to scan through everything to find it again okay uh started with who's the mvp of defense offense special teams surprise player of the year and freshman of the year okay my mvp of the defense is cv toy kolovatu i know a lot of people will think differently and have different names most notably probably adore jackson to throw out there but i think it's cv toy Kolovatu um, because he was so needed uh, for USC to be good this year. They they needed a defensive tackle. They needed a guy like him on their roster. He came. He was really the one guy they had like that. He played so many snaps. He played so often. He played so well. Honestly, uh, blew me away. I did not think he was uh, as good as he is. Uh, That's not uh, any disrespect to him. I just didn't expect that as a guy that I, I, you know, former walk-on at Utah uh, he looked like a former five-star uh, as a defensive lineman, in my opinion, and a guy that USC really needed. And to me, is the US is the MVP of USC's defense, offense. To me, it's Sam Darnold. I don't think there's any question. I think he's the MVP of the whole team. I think he's USC's best football player. I think he's uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I think he'll win the Heisman someday, uh, if you know, if the voters uh, don't have their heads up their butts, honestly, because this year he was the second best quarterback in the country, um, and you know, everybody knew who the best quarterback was uh so uh you know that's a standard 
and he couldn't pass even, you know, because he didn't get uh, the full season to do it. Maybe he could have if he had had every game. Uh, Sam Darnold is the guy. Uh, he's the MVP of the offense, no question. Special teams MVP is Adore Jackson, without question. Uh, he's might be special teams MVP of all time uh, after this season. Uh, surprise player of the year. Uh, I think you could easily give it to Sam Darnold because he wasn't named the starting quarterback, came back, won it, and he's probably one of the best quarterbacks in the country and, you know, has really turned USC's program around uh, maybe, you know, almost by himself. Uh, You know, he's put the program on his back, it it felt like, and I don't think anybody expected him to be that kind of quarterback. Uh, So I think that's fair. Um, You know, I I might pick that, honestly, but I also would say Porter Gustin has got to be a guy that you got to say is up there because – Felt like he started the season really, you know, kind of slow. Uh, didn't play that well. Uh, seemed like the butt of a lot of jokes on the message board uh, early on. And I think towards the end of the season, he was one of the better players on USC's defense. And he's a beast and he's great. And uh, I think he's awesome. And Porter Gustin deserves a lot of praise for how he's been playing. I think you can say Imam Marshall. I know that sounds silly because he's a former five-star. But uh, similar to Porter Gustin, was the butt of a lot of jokes early on in the season for USC fans on the message boards because he was getting beat. And it seems like you know later on in the year, he turned things around. Um, I won't pick him because I think uh, expectations were a little bit higher for a guy like him that's supposed to be you know the best player in the country. But I think he had a similar year to Porter Gustin. So you know he should be mentioned. Michael Hutchins should be mentioned i feel like because he really came in and you know i don't think there were a lot of expectations for michael hutchings and he had a great season uh you know there's a lot i think chris hawkins uh even though he he wasn't starting towards the end of the year uh had a great year and uh, you know similar to to marshall and port augustine was the butt of a lot of jokes i felt like uh you know unfairly like with Gustin and, and Marshall as well, um, and he turned it around. So there's a lot of guys you could mention for a surprise. I think that that's maybe why USC had such a good year. I'd give it to Sam Darnold. I, I don't really know how you can pick somebody else uh, besides Sam Darnold just because of, you know he wasn't even the starting quarterback until game four, and uh, now he's USC's best player, in my opinion. Um, so that's a big deal. To me, freshman of the year, I got to throw in the redshirt category and say Sam Darnold as well because I, I don't know who else you'd give it to if you're not giving it to this guy. I know he's technically been there longer than one year, but he's freshman of the year too. Uh, recruiting, I'm on it. What are the chances of getting Jay Tufili and Marvin Wilson? Um, Wilson, I don't think USC is going to get him. I'm just being honest. Uh, I think that you know if USC was in Texas, I would pick them to get him, but they're not in Texas. Uh, and I think that when you're talking about a guy like that, if you're not the backyard program that's the big time program, or you know in that area at least, you have to be on some kind of role. If you're in California going into Texas to get you know the one of the top kids in the country. You have to be on a big roll, and I know USC's on a big roll, but at the end of the day, they're 9-3. and three. Let's be honest, Alabama is obviously much better than USC this year. Everyone knows uh, you know, USC is not at that national championship level that they were under Pete Carroll. If they were, they might get Marvin Wilson. I just don't see that. You know, It's, it's why I didn't see them uh, you know, getting 
the number one defensive tackle in the last few classes when these guys were going to visit, uh, you know, give them a chance. I'm talking, you know, about Rashawn Gary, Dexter Williams, whoever else. I didn't feel that way because I felt like, you know, USC had to be, you know, what they were under Carroll to really to get those guys unless they were the more local school, you know, looking at Rashawn Gary, he went from New Jersey to Michigan, which is pretty easy and a thing that a lot of people are doing. Uh, recently, Dexter Williams went from North Carolina to Clemson, which is in South Carolina, and a team that's on a roll and competing for national championships. Uh, I think Marvin Wilson's going to do something similar. That's kind of what happens. I know USC fans will probably point to Leonard Williams uh, as the example, you know, of this, you know, of, of USC having a chance to get a guy like Marvin Williams, and they do have a chance. I don't want to brush off their chances, but because you know, obviously Leonard Williams is a top recruit on the other side of the country. But I feel like it was different because I feel like when Leonard came, USC was right off of the Pete Carroll era. There was a feeling that, you know, they, they're they still competing for national championships. They're still one of the best programs in the country even at that point. Um, and also, you know, Lane Kiffin and Monty Kiffin's connections in Florida, I just felt like, you know, that, that, that almost made USC, you know, be the backyard team for a lot of these kids in Florida. They still get kids from Florida. They still do a great job. There's still guys on the staff that are very connected down there and do a great job. But it's not the same. They're not, you know, they're not getting the number one kid in Florida like Leonard Williams was or should have been or, you know, a Nelson Aguilar unless, you know, they win the Rose Bowl or if they, you know, you know, they win two Rose Bowls in a row or something like that show that they're kind of back a bit. That's my feeling on Marvin Wilson. I don't think he's come to USC. Jade Defeely, there's more of a chance. Um, there's more of a chance, I would say, because he's more local. I think USC can get that guy. I can't make a pick on Jade Defeely right now. He's kind of a hard read. Uh, so I, I'm not going to pick anything because, uh, you know, I, I've seen that blow up in my face before. Uh, also, but you know, USC I think has more of a chance with him than they do with Marvin Wilson, for sure, uh, without question. Um, basketball talk, why not? You know, I'll talk about them a little bit. Uh, and you know, I know you said recruiting too, but it's kind of uh, the in between time I think on a lot of that. So I'll talk about the team a little bit. Ten and zero, you know, worth a shout out. Uh, ranked, I believe, ranked number twenty three as I'm recording this. Uh, big deal, big deal. I have a lot of respect for Andy Enfield and his staff. Uh, I've said it, you know, when they got hired, and I'll keep saying it, even if they fall apart this year. That's, that's the right staff for USC, a young, energetic staff that can recruit. Uh, you know, that's that's what they need. Uh, that's what they needed when they were hired, and that's what they still need. They're doing a great job, and you know, having a team undefeated is a big deal. Uh, no matter what the schedule is. The schedule has not been tough. I think that's very fair to say. I think that there's probably three teams, uh, maybe uh, maybe one team that you know has been hard and that's a tough team, and USC has shown at times that they're a little bit vulnerable, and you know they, they've almost lost to a couple teams that you kind of scratch your head and say, why is USC in a, you know, in a battle with this team, uh, even though it is you know early in the season or whatever else? So there's, there's cause for concern a little bit. Um, I think the ranking's fair uh, the way it is because of that, but we'll see. Um, if USC, you know, obviously is, is as good of a start as they could have asked for, even if they're a national championship 
team, right? With this schedule, being undefeated is as good as you can be. But we're going to find out about USC uh, when conference play starts. So we'll find out. If they beat some teams, that ranking's going to skyrocket, and they're going to be a top-10 team if they stay undefeated and start beating some teams. And if they don't, uh, and if they get handled, they're going to be right out of the top 25 again. But either way, it's something to be exciting about because USC basketball is not a doormat anymore, which is what they fell to after crippling NCAA sanctions. I don't even blame Kevin O'Neill for that. I know a lot of people will. And that's what they were you know, before Tim Floyd got there and before the Galen Center was built. They were an after thought they were playing down the street you know in a second thought arena arena that uh you know couldn't attract recruits and and now usc basketball is looking like it's it's becoming a much bigger deal so i i think it's uh i think it's an exciting time uh no matter how this season ends even if usc falls apart you know doesn't play well in conference and since you know finishes like 500 well, heck, they're not finishing five and whatever. They're not, you know, last in the conference or whatever. It's 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 in progress. It's improvement. You know, the staff is really taking this team a long way quickly. And you think about last year and what they did last year. It you know it was a surprise. So there's a lot to be excited about, and I think it's a great time for USC basketball. But we're gonna find out, you know, soon enough how good they are. Are they? You know, a real contender, a Sweet 16 contender, something like that. Well, no. Conference play will prove it. There's a lot of tough teams in the Pac-12. There are always a lot of Pac teams, in the, tough teams in the Pac-12. If I had to guess, I'd say USC is probably, you know, top half of the conference for sure would be my guess. I think top four in the conference. Above that, I start to feel... You know, a little suspect about placing them, saying, oh, they're the best, they're the second best, the third best. I don't know. There's a lot of nasty teams this year. But I th- I'm thinking number four right now with room maybe to, to even improve and go up. So, yeah, big lot of, uh, a lot of positive vibes for USC basketball right now. And that's the end of your question, I believe. So thank you so much, Nick. Appreciate it. We're on to Darren T., Percentage chance USC is in the college football playoff next year. I love it. Who will win the other starting wide receiver spot? Josh Imortabebe or Tyler Vons? Ooh, I don't know. I might pick somebody else even. Not expecting Stephen Stephen M. Heavy Mitchell to be back full go due to injury. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see, I guess. That's always kind of a wait and see thing. Okay, so that's the whole question. Guarantee I'm going to jump right into it. Thank you for the question. I love it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that with the percentage chance for USC next year, that's tough. I mean, top four, ooh, that's tough. I mean, I think even 50-50, even saying it's like a coin flip is uh, is hard. It's hard to do um, because, I mean, that's top four. That's saying, you know, what's the percentage that they win the conference? What's the percentage that, you know, they they not only do that but finish with maybe one loss or less? That's hard. Uh, I don't know what percentage to put on that. I don't know, 20%, 25%. It's tough. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying they won't, you know, maybe preseason they're even a top five team, top three team. But, you know, a lot of things have to go your way. You have to beat a lot of good teams. Maybe 50-50, but I think it's even 50-50, you know, if if they're one of the favorites to win the Pac-12, like maybe the favorite um, I'm not even sure they're the favorite next year. I don't know yet, so that's tough. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now, 
I'm going to say 35%. I'll put it a little bit higher, but I, I don't think – I would not expect USC to be in the college football playoff next year. I'd expect them to win a lot of games, to get close, but gosh, it just feels like, you know, especially with the kind of schedule they play, you can find you know two losses pretty easily, uh, and I think that might knock you out. Uh, you know, especially looking at this year and how much uh, people care about records instead of, you know, finishes and conferences, which I think is more important. So I think it'll be hard. I think if they just had to win the Pac-12, which is what it should be, it'd be easier. Uh, it'd be, or not, I shouldn't say easier. It'd be easier for a team like USC that has to play a tough schedule, has to play a tough conference, and a conference that, you know, plays most of the teams, uh, you know, where you play nine teams out of 12 or whatever instead of eight out of 14. So, um, yeah, it's hard. As for the other starting wide receiver spot, uh, gosh, I really don't know. I think that there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, you can pick out of here. Um, obviously, I'm assuming that you that Deontay Burnett is the is slotted in um, at one receiver, and that Juju Smith Schuster is is moved on. Um, that's my assumption here. Uh, maybe that's maybe that shouldn't be assumed, but you know, I I'm, I would say Burnett and Pittman. I think that that's a great uh, pairing. Uh, I really do. You got, you know, kind of the, the speedier guy who can be on the outside and Burnett that can also fit in at the slot if he needed to. I like having one of those guys as one of your outside options. And then I like having Pittman because he's a big physical freak. And those are the receivers that I really like. I like tall receivers and he's the tallest they have right now. And I like, you know, guys that can go up and get it. And that's what he is. And he's also very special outside of that. So I expect him uh, to eventually, you know, be the guy at USC at receiver. That's what I think. So if I had to pick the two starting receivers for next year, and we're assuming that Juju Smith-Schuster is gone, and we're assuming that Stephen Mitchell, you know, might not be ready, I'm going with Deontay Burnett, and I'm going with Michael Pittman, and honestly, I might even go with them if Stephen Mitchell is ready, and I think a lot of Stephen Mitchell, I just think the world of uh, Deontay Burnett and Michael Pittman as well. So those are my uh, two picks. I know that those weren't the two guys you mentioned, but uh, yeah. So I, I threw a little, threw a little zinger your way, and uh, you know, flipped the script on you, and then hoped that uh, you know you enjoyed my answer. Thank you for asking it, Darren T. Um, we're on to Darcy Bug from the present commitment list. Who would have the best opportunity to have an impact next year? Ooh, I love this question. And from the uncommitted prospects that have a good chance of coming, who would have the biggest impact? And then uh, you say maybe a Penn State preview for the bowl game. We're going to get to that, I promise. Um, very soon when we have the next show. We have some time before the Rose Bowl, obviously, as I'm recording this. It's December 19th, and you know, so we have some time. We'll get to it. We'll do it. Um, we're going to have the Penn State publisher on and everything. We're going to do it right. Uh, but, you know, I do think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'm also I'm going to make my pick on a later show, and uh, we'll get to that as well. Um, so I'll jump into your question about recruiting. So from the from the current commits that have a chance to make a big impact, you know, I gotta say Stephen Carr is the guy. I think that he's the guy that stands out above everyone else um, as a potential early impact guy. I know the depth chart might not be kind to him. But uh, he stands above as, as USC's five-star commit, uh, in my mind. I know a lot of people you know, will look at other guys. They'll say, oh, Hunter Eccles. I get that. I love Hunter Eccles as a player. 
I think he needs a little bit more time to be that guy. Um, they'll maybe look at some of their highly committed offensive linemen, uh, like a Vera Tucker. He's great, but you know I would think he needs a little bit more time uh, before he's that kind of guy. So to me, it's Stephen Carr. Uh, he's the guy. Uh, but like you mentioned, there's a lot of big time guys that you know USC has a chance to get uh, that could be that guy for them, that instant impact guy for them. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of guys visiting or that will visit like a Marvin Wilson or an Aubrey Solomon or something like that. But if the guys that, that should come or, you know, that we expect to, to really USC to have a chance of getting, I'd say Joseph Lewis is the guy you have to look at as the huge impact guy um, because he's – He's so good. I not only is he a five star, one of the best players in the country, uh, but he's just on that other on another level as a receiver. Uh, even I've even seen him play defense, and it was just like basically on a whim, and he was he was that good. Uh, I I think that he's probably the best player in the country if i had to say just overall just based on ability um so i think that if he comes he'll make an instant impact for usc you know even if this this the depth chart doesn't seem like it will allow for it uh honestly i i think he might be better than any of the receivers usc has signed in a recent memory uh he's that good i think that highly of him and then obviously you know if they get like a foster sorrell aubrey solomon marvin wilson somebody else like that the answer will change um but yeah, that's that's my answer for you right now. Right now, uh, the commit, Stephen Carr, the guys that think are going to come. Uh, I got to say, you know, it's got to be Joseph Lewis, uh, you know, maybe an Austin Jackson. I get that, too. He's basically a five-star uh, tackle. Maybe an Isaiah Polamal, if they get that guy, I would get that thinking, too. But it's Joseph Lewis all the way. I think he's probably the best player in the country. So yeah, thank you so much for the question, Darcy Bug. On to our friend Fatty McButterpants, who says, Reflecting back on the Alabama game, before that game, I stated that they would have the best defense USC has ever played in its history. I still believe that to be true at the end of the season. Would you agree with that statement? As a follow-up, I still think the 2008 USC defense is better than Alabama's this year. Agree or disagree? Um, you know, Fatty, I think that, you know, that's a nice reflection. Um... I know you probably looked back and put a lot of thought into that, and I and I get where you're coming from when you think that because obviously Alabama has an incredibly talented defense, so the best defense in the country this year, and one of the better defenses uh, of all time, probably if you look at the statistics. I think with football, it's kind of hard to compare uh, when you go, you know, look back and, and <laughs> go through seasons because modern era versus the past. I mean, I I know that there are teams, you know, in the old era of football that that didn't give up, you know basically any points it seemed like for an entire season it's hard to compare those teams you know to, to the teams of today um recent history i think you're spot on uh yes i would i think of the teams that usc played you know in the national championship in recent history and the rose bowls i really can't think of one that has a defense like that uh I didn't, i'm not too familiar with you know the recent uh the, i shouldn't say recent but the notre dame team in the late 80s that won a national championship except i know that they were incredible i don't know how good their defense was i don't know how compared to alabama uh, same thing with a lot of notre dame national championship teams maybe some teams that usc's played in the rose bowl that beat them in the rose bowl i'm not sure i'm not sure um so but i get where you're coming from because alabama has an all-time great defense in my mind uh as for your question about the 2008 defense i do think that defense was better uh that might be just my west coast bias but 
you know, I think we also have the benefit of knowing how those players ended up, you know, playing in the NFL and, and even the ones that didn't have the NFL careers, gosh, they were good while they were at, at USC, right? They seem like they were on, you know, at least at the very least on level with these current Alabama guys uh, at that time. So, yeah, I would lean towards USC. I thought they were the best defense I've ever seen, you know, in my lifetime, not watching film or anything like that, but just, you know, currently like as it's happening present day football that's the best one i've seen i remember you know before the rose bowl i'm not sure if the statistics still held up because i know they gave up 24 points in that game a lot of them in garbage time because they put up a lot of points in that game too but uh i remember their defense was the best statistical defense i remember this this stat and i think it was uh since auburn in 1989 or 88 or something ridiculous like that and that's such a wow especially knowing you know how offense has changed from that time you know people talk about alabama's defense oh they have to deal with so many spread offenses well gosh the pac-12 in 2008 you know their offenses were probably even deadlier honestly because they were ahead of the curve they were running all sorts of crazy offenses even back then and uh, the offensive conference in usc put up some crazy stat holding you know teams under 10 points a game or something like that um I'm not sure how you could find a better defense than that one. Um, and then, you know, when you look at the defense that they were compared to before that late 80s Auburn team, they're playing a much different, you know, uh, style of offense in the SEC in the late 80s. Any team before that, same kind of deal. It's hard to compare, like I said before, uh, with the Alabama question, but I would lean towards 2008 USC defenses, the best of all time, if I had to pick one, uh, or I'd put them up against anybody at least. So, yeah, I'm sure you agree, uh, <laughs> as you said, because uh, we're all kind of West Coast guys out here. But uh, great question, Fatty McButterpants, and I appreciate it as always. Smile One is up. He says, I'm excited about next year, but the LT position doesn't have anyone who is Chad Wheeler ready, which I totally agree with, uh, Smile One. It sounds likely that we will get Austin Jackson, but he is probably not ready to start his freshman year, at least be dominant. I'm with you there. He's a Rivals 100 guy, so he's basically a five-star in my mind, but I, you know, I don't expect those guys to be ready to start or be dominant either. Um, so Smile One asks, after saying all of that, are we honestly in contention for either Foster Sorrell or Alex Leatherwood who seem to be ready to start as freshmen and do a good job so um, I would say yes for Foster Sorrell I think USC is in contention they're in his top five his mother told me that um, obviously he took an official visit there so that can be kind of assumed uh she seemed to be very enthusiastic about the USC visit, so I think they're in it. I think they could possibly get him. I don't expect them to. Uh, I really don't. Uh, I just don't. So, to me, they're not the favorite. I think a lot of people point at Washington or Stanford. Um, you know, maybe Notre Dame because he cares so much about academics that you know Notre Dame and Stanford become his two favorites. I don't know. Uh, I just feel like USC's behind with him, but they're in it. They're in it. They came back. Obviously, you know, they uh, <laughs> they weren't in it at all early, and they came back, and they made themselves, you know, very much in his rec recruiting process, and they're one of the favorites now, so I think that has to be considered, but I don't think they'll get him. Alex Leatherwood, that's over. Um, he's not coming. I think that he changed his status to early enrollee at Alabama anyway. I, I believe that's what Scott Schrader told me. Um, 
he's he's not coming. He's committed to Alabama. Even if he did show up for some visit, which I don't even think is possible now, because I'm pretty sure that he's going to be enrolled in Alabama. You know, instead of taking visits in January. I don't even think they could flip him. Um, so, yeah, it, it, USC has an uphill battle for Foster Sorrell, and I would be, like, completely blown away if they got Alex Leatherwood somehow. I don't even think it's possible at this point. But good question, nonetheless. So thank you, Smile One. The West's best is up. With about seven weeks to go to National Signing Day, how does the board look at offensive line, defensive line, and defensive back? Who's in? Who's out? Who looks likely or unlikely at this point? All right, let's start at defensive back. USC has C.J. Miller uh, committed as a safety, a big safety. I guess he could play corner, too. He's kind of a corner safety because USC did mention to him, anyway, that he reminds them of Amal Marshall. Um, but I'd slot him in at safety. But anyway, one def- you know defensive back committed with C.J. Miller. Then there's Juwan Burgess, uh, who's technically listed as an athlete. Um, you know he's a defensive back for USC as well. Um, so those are the two guys right now that are obviously uh, committed. And then you you know you go through the list, and, and USC has a lot of guys. You know that are potentially uh, coming in. I think you have to kind of familiar yourself familiarize yourself with excuse me uh greg johnson from uh augustus hawkins high school in los angeles running back cornerback for usc so fits into the db discussion i believe uh his brother obviously recently committed his brother's the 2018 kid from the same high school marcus johnson uh i think usc's gonna get greg so um he's a guy i believe will be in uh, if, you know, if you held a gun to my head and and made me choose, uh, Darnay Holmes is a name that comes up a lot, so I'm going to mention him. He's not coming to USC. I'd be shocked. I've been saying that forever. Uh, Elijah Blades, who's committed to Florida, is a guy that USC has, has started recruiting a little bit later and, uh, than Florida did, and it's not given up on. I think USC will get Elijah Blades as well, so I will place him in the in category as well, even though he's committed to Florida. Uh, we'll see how that kind of all works out um yeah uh jaquari godfrey jay godfrey who's committed to cal big corner uh six foot two corner usc offered late we'll see um i'm not sure obviously it's a usc cal battle cal is his local school he's from oakland they offered early they did you know just make a change at defensive coordinator we'll see what happens with jay godfrey and usc that's a battle i'm not going to make a pick on it right now and who knows, maybe USC, you know, finds other guys. It seems like they've offered a lot of uh, defensive backs uh, recently, and they seem to be in contention for a lot of dif- uh, different defensive backs. So we'll see how that all goes uh, from here on out. Bubba Bolden, moving on to safeties, I guess, in this defensive back category. He's coming to USC. Uh, I, I think he'll commit. Uh, just putting that out there. So... There you go. I think I think USC will get Bolden. I'll just end it there. Uh, KJ Jarrell is a guy that will visit USC that a lot of people are talking about. He's taking a couple other Pac-12 visits. We'll see with Jarrell. I think that USC will get him if they want him. Um, he has an offer from USC. They've been recruiting him, but we'll see how these things go. We'll see how the class fills up. He's one of these guys that I feel like they probably could have gotten if they really made a push for him earlier on. So to me, it's 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 sort of a wait and see. We'll see how the class fills up. But I think that USC can definitely get KJ Jarrell in this class, and they have a real shot at him 
those are the guys uh, that I'm kind of pointing to. You know, I almost forgot a couple guys are listed as athletes by Rivals.com. Isaiah Polamau is somebody to watch. He's going to visit USC. That's going to be a battle. Washington's in it with him, I believe. And we'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, Diamador Lenore from Salesian uh, recently decommitted from Oregon. USC's offered him a while back. They've been trying to get him. We'll see how that goes. He's going to visit USC. So we'll see how those two guys go. Almost skip them because they're listed as athletes. You know, there's also tons of other guys that uh, I could mention uh, here, you know, um, because they've kind of vi- they've either shown interest in USC or visited. Uh, I know people bring up Kendall Sheffield because he took an official visit to USC, but you know I think that pretty much covered everybody that uh, could come to USC as a defensive back. But we're not done. Obviously, we're on to uh, defensive line. So uh, I know that this is a position that everybody gets excited about. You know that everybody uh, wants to look at. Because it's it's a big deal position in college football, and I feel like it's kind of been a spot that the fans that follow recruiting feel like have, has been holding USC back uh, a bit in recent years. Uh, names that people will bring up: Marvin Wilson. I don't think USC is going to get him. Uh, Aubrey Solomon could be visiting. I don't think. Uh, we'll see. He's a wild card. It could happen, but we'll see. That that might be a stretch to another five star guy. Um, Jay Tufili is a guy to know. Um, we'll see. That will be a battle. Everybody's going to bring up guys like Tyler Shelvin because he did say at one point that he was going to visit USC. I don't, I don't think that they'll get him. I don't think they'll get Haskell Garrett. I think he's pretty much uh, locked in uh, with, with Ohio State. Um, obviously, people bring up you know some of these other commits, but I, th- I think you know Greg Rogers, Marlon Toyo. Toy Polo Lotu, excuse me, um, kind of obvious where they're headed now. Noah Ellis, I don't know about that. I don't think USC will get him. Damian Daniels is a guy that people bring up, and he still says he's considering USC, but I don't think USC is really considering him. Uh, uh, Tagovailo Amosa from Hawaii is a guy to watch and a guy that I think USC will get, so I would put him in the lo- in that category where I almost feel like he's locked in. Uh, Brandon Peely. I think USC is going to get him. I'm starting to feel good about him coming to USC. Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to get him. I'll just leave it at that, actually. Um, and then, you know, we're kind of on to the the more defensive end positions, which can kind of get tricky because some of these guys, it's like, oh, who's standing up? Uh, you know, who has their hands on the ground? What Did you want the stand-up guys? I don't know. So I'll just kind of uh, include them all, and then the guys that I feel like, hey, that that's a linebacker maybe. You know, I'll throw them in that uh, linebacker spot. Terrence Lang, I think, is a guy USC could get if they still want him. we got to see how this class kind of shakes out uh, with everything. There's a few guys that, you know, that have offers that people will look at and go, wait, what about Ollie Gay? I don't think they're really involved with him anymore. Martin Andrus, they're not involved with him anymore. Gabe Cherry, I need to catch up with. I think he's going to end up at Cal. I, I think USC offered him at a time when, you know, their recruiting wasn't going the way it's going now, but we'll see. Um Alec Jackson from Montgomery, Alabama is a name to watch because he visited. Right now, USC you know, is pretty much his top school, but we'll see if that changes after he takes other visits. You know, Normally, I would say, hey, they're not going to get this guy because USC doesn't get guys out of Alabama most ever, but they have started to in recent years. Um, he, he's raved about USC, so he's a guy to watch too, kind of like Aubrey Solomon, I think. Alec Jackson, I feel like, is um, a guy to watch uh, for USC. 
you know, in, in that sort of phase of things. Um, uh, there's there's another Hawaii kid, the Alakai uh, Vimahi kid. I'm not sure about him. I don't have enough information on him to really uh, make a pick on where he's going. I know that he does have a scholarship offer from USC. Um, yeah, and then we kind of get into these sort of like pass rushers slash, you know, guys. Um, DJ Johnson, I guess you'd have to consider sort of a linebacker, but he's somebody to watch. Uh you know, as a potential addition, he did visit USC. So I'm just going to throw him in here because, you know, he's listed as a weak side defensive end uh, on rivals, which, you know, in a four, three, that's a guy with his hand on the ground. So I think he's, he's worth mentioning. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, USC's offered a lot of these guys kind of lost contact with them. You know, Jordan Wright, my King Johnson, Odua Isabor. I don't really think they're in it for them uh, anymore. So I think, uh, DJ Johnson might be the only guy really from that weak side defensive end spot to kind of look at, you know, if you're wondering about those guys, um, another guy to watch that we actually, uh, we put a story up on, uh, today, another Hawaii kid too. Um, I guess, you know, it really isn't relevant because he's a, he's a Mormon mission guy and is going to be, you know, taking that, uh, Mormon mission, but, uh, Miki's, uh, Sugaratura, who's a three-star weak side defensive end, but really a hand-in-the-ground type guy at 6'5", 250. Um, he could be a potential addition for USC you know, down the line after that, that mission, so he's a guy to watch in this class if you're just looking at you know, 20, uh, you know, 2017 guys or whatever uh, to look at. But I guess, you know, if I really had to, if somebody said, hey, gosh, put this list together, uh, who's USC getting on their defensive line and let's include you know the weak side defensive ends too you say um hunter eccles is committed to usc uh jacob lichtenstein's committed to usc uh from there who do they add i think they add myron tackle mosa defensive tackle from hawaii i think uh he's a guy that's really high on usc i believe they'll get him i think they'll get brandon peely I think that those are two defensive tackles that they definitely need. Definitely need. And then if I'm looking at the weak side defensive end position um, as well, you know, I'm thinking, hey, they're going to add uh, DJ Johnson, um, you know, to as maybe kind of another guy that, that sort of looks like Hunter Eccles and this whole system. Outside of that, I'm not sure uh, who else uh, they're getting. Uh, maybe Terrence Lang. Uh, maybe, you know, they do pressure Gabe Cherry and they do flip him. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think Terrence Lang's probably the, the one to watch, you know, in California. Uh, you know, I, I, you also got to watch Alec Jackson because he visited too. So he's another name to keep an eye on. But those are really the guys I think if you, if you said, hey, who's, you know, outside of the committed guys, who, you know, should USC fans keep an eye on? Weak side defensive end, DJ Johnson. Uh, you know, from there, Alec Jackson, Terrence Lang, um, Brandon Peely, and then uh, Tagovailoa uh, Amosa. Uh, those are the guys that I really think uh, USC has a has a chance to add in this class. From there, there's obviously some other names, some other guys you know that are going to visit, but you know we don't know. Uh, until they do visit, can they get Aubrey Solomon? Um, you know, can they, can they get Marvin Wilson? Uh, does Alec Jackson hold, you know, USC as one of his favorites after he takes some more visits? We'll see. We'll see. Um, 
Yeah. So that's another kind of in-depth, uh, you know, position with a, kind of a lot to unfold. And I almost forgot Jay Tufili. That's a guy to watch. Uh, and that's a guy that a lot of people have their eye on. We'll see what happens with him as well. I believe I mentioned him earlier in the podcast. Uh, but I almost forgot to mention him here, and he's a name that people should know about. I also, um, you know, always expect USC to try to do something else to get some other uh, big-name defensive tackle on campus. Um, I'd also point out that I think there's a JUCO guy. If you go on the boards, if you read our stories, if you keep up with us, there's a JUCO player, uh, you know, a former big-time defensive lineman that's trying to get into the 2017 class, potential 2018 guy. So there's a lot to keep up with along the defensive line. Um, so, yeah, look forward, you know, see what happens. I might have missed somebody. I hope I didn't. You asked about offensive line as well. Why not? Let's go right into it. I'm up for it. Um, offensive line, I think USC's actually gotten a great start in this class, uh, you know, in terms of who they have committed. Obviously, you know, they have an interior lineman uh, committed in Brett Nealon, who, you know, they might not have even needed uh, that interior guy. Uh, really, just looking at how they're how their roster's stacked up. I feel like they're really strong at guard and a questionable at tackle right now, and they're addressing that well in this class. Um, so Nealon's their one interior guy. Um, then their two tackles, Andrew Voorhees, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, two high-quality four-star guys, big-deal guys that can be developed you know, into something really, really good and really you know, high-quality. And then from there, I mean, they're still involved with Wyatt Davis, but I don't think they're going to get Wyatt Davis, but I just knew everybody would, you know, be upset with me if I didn't mention Wyatt Davis, so I did. Um, Foster Sorrell is the guy they're involved with. Obviously, he visited USC's in his top five. They're not going to get him. Um, Alex Leatherwood, I think, the, you know, that's done. They're not going to get him. They're not going to get Navon Donaldson either, who's been committed to Miami for a long time, even when he visited USC. I, I, that's not going to happen, though, in my mind. I think USC will get Austin Jackson, who's basically a, you know, he's a Rivals 100 guy, basically a five-star guy. That's a big deal at tackle. That's huge. Um, Chuck Filiaga, I don't think USC is going to get him, um, but we'll see. They're trying to get him on a visit. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to announce his top three and commit um, before that does happen. Um, yeah, which, you know, that's fine, honestly. they they If they add Jackson uh, to this class, they're great at tackle in this class. And then if they add somebody else outside of that, they're doing really well. I know people bring up Steven Zabe from Austin, Texas. That's not happening. Um, but that's kind of the last guy, I feel like, as an offensive lineman that you know, they could possibly look at. So for O-line, I'd say that they're going to start with what they have um, you know, right now, which is a great start, and I think that they're not getting a lot of credit for that. Uh, with Andrew Voorhees, Elijah Vera Tucker, Brett Nealon, then I think they add Austin Jackson. Uh, and from there, you know... It's tough sledding to add another guy. I really do feel that way. Maybe they get Foster Sorrell. If they do, they probably have one of the best offensive line classes in the entire country, if not, you know, obviously the best offensive line class in the entire country. But they're up there right now, um, even without it. So even without a guy like Foster Sorrell. So I hope that I gave you um, a really good breakdown of how things stand right now. And thank you so much for the question. The best, the West is best. 
David Law is up, my good friend Dave Law. Hi there, gentlemen. Three questions. One, assuming Adore Jackson and Juju Smith-Schuster leaving, who, other than Donald, have the characteristics to be leaders of the team next year? Let's start there. Uh, I'm kind of done listing questions and coming back to it. Uh, you know, I think this is a great question because you're right. Uh, it's kind of a situation where USC you know, could lose a bunch of guys, a bunch of leaders all at once, um, especially, you know, a lot of guys out of the senior class, obviously, that led in this team, and then those two juniors. So I think that I look towards the offensive line um, because they're they're going to kind of be the older, more experienced group. So I think there could be a few guys, uh, you know, out of that group that step up. They could step up and lead. I think uh, Kenny Bigelow comes back and is effective. He's going to be a leader uh, right away for USC because they felt like he was already kind of uh, grasping that role before he got hurt. Uh, you know, I think that if you look – you know, Chris Hawkins, if he doesn't leave, uh, which is, I think, is a possibility since he wasn't starting, you know, the whole season. Um, I think if you look at uh, Uchenna Nwusu or Porter Gustin, maybe, or maybe, some, you know, some of these super sophomores, uh, you know, that that really have stepped up and played. I mean, how could uh, Cam Smith has got to be a leader on this team, right? So there's a few options, maybe Amon Marshall as well. Uh, USC should be fine in the leadership category, I think even, you know, if they lose a couple of juniors that we're not expecting to go even. Uh, your second question, like most everyone else, I've gotten caught up in the winning streak, but how good do you think we really are given that most of those wins were over teams that didn't make a bowl game? As opposed to one over Penn State could answer the question, but what's your evaluation now? David Law, I think that's a great question because I think people are caught up in the win streak, like you said. Eight-game win streak, the way I look at it, six of those teams probably didn't have a prayer against USC. Um, The two wins against Colorado and Washington are big because they're two top-ten teams, and it makes you feel like USC is up there and they're a top-ten team too. If they beat Penn State, now all of a sudden you're saying nine-game win streak, Six of the nine teams didn't have a chance to beat USC, but gosh, three top ten teams, that's a big deal. So I, I'm with you. I think that this Penn State game will answer all of our questions, really, because if they beat another top ten team, you can't deny you know, that USC you know, did a great job this season, uh, you know, even with a win streak that was aided by some non-bowl you know, teams, some non-winning teams. So um, I think that their ranking's fair. I think 10th, 9th, something like that is fair. Uh, I think that's probably where they are. You know, I think that if they played Alabama, they'd lose comfortably. Maybe that would happen against another team. I don't really see another team as on that level as Alabama, on that national championship level. But I would think that if there are other teams on that level, USC would lose comfortably to those teams. I don't view them, you know, as a national championship team. I view them as a team that can play in a really good bowl game, uh, you know, on New Year's Day, potentially win it, uh, you know, finish in the top 10 i think they 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 could be a top 10 team i think they're probably most certainly a top 15 team even if they lose this game i think that's fair to say i would say they're certainly a top 15 team i don't think they're top four top five um you know maybe this year because it seems like things are a little bit down but most years, I would think that USC is not that kind of team with this roster. I'm not sure, though. Either way, USC is really good this year. But Penn State will answer questions. If they lose to Penn State, 
they seemed more in line with what they were in years past. Four-loss team, you know, top 15, top 25, somewhere in that range, 25 to 15. If they win, it seems like they're one of the better teams in the country, a Rose Bowl winning team. So we'll see, I guess, after that Penn State game. And David Law, I love your last question because we've actually, Adam and I have talked about this. I think we might have even talked about it on the podcast at one point, but I don't really remember. Um, regarding Coach Clay Helton's decision to start Brown against Bama, is it possible that the quality Sam Darnold shows in games isn't evident in practice where the players are hitting as much or playing as, or where the players aren't hitting as much or playing as fast. And I, I think that's a great point. I agree with you. Um, I think that's a part of the reason why he did pick Brown, honestly, is because you can't tell how good Darnold is until he's in a situation where a quarterback is supposed to get sacked, you know, um, where there's pressure in your face. And in practice, you try to simulate that, but you can't make that happen. That's when Sam Darnold shines, and that's when it seemed like Max Brown wasn't, you know, on the same level with him as when, you know, guys were getting in the backfield, which happened uh, to Max Brown a lot, and I think it even happened to Sam Darnold a lot. So I, I'm with you. I think that once it was a game situation, Sam Darnold's abilities became much more clear, uh, and I don't think you can you can see all those things in practice. I think you're right on. I totally agree with you, and I think it's a great question. Thank you for the question as always, David Law, friend of the show, as all of you are. Marty S.C. Psych asks a question that had to be asked on this podcast, and it's a great one. Things are getting hot and heavy in recruiting land, so here's my question. With the recent decommits, and I'll let you guys go through the various names. We actually won't because I think you guys know who they are. But, uh, yeah, can you give us any info on what's behind their decisions? And does it mean that Clay and staff are in play for higher-rated prospects? And, of course, who might that be? Thanks, and appreciate the work you do to keep us informed. Marty, thank you. Thank you for the question. Yeah, it, you know, it does mean that USC is in contention for higher-rated recruits. That's exactly what it means. They're not going to let these guys go unless they know that. I mean, if you think about the guys that decommitted – Guys that were not, you know, five-star names. They're good players, even at three stars. I think they're USC-level recruits. I really do feel that way. Um, but they were locked in. They were secure. They weren't looking around. And then things changed. That's what happened. USC had to open some spots up because they have nine spots left right now, um, you know, with 14. Uh, you know, you get much higher than that you're starting to say hey can we take you know some of these guys that could come in you know that could be miracles so i think that you kind of have to shoo you know some guys away um i look at a spot like cornerback or defensive back just in general there's a lot of activity going on there a lot of things that have changed but but bolden seems much more likely you know than he did earlier on elijah blades who was a florida commit all of a sudden seems very interested you know in, in coming to usc the usc found other you know tall corners that they like and jay godfrey there's a lot of activity going on so i see why i got like why and free it might be like okay you know go out the door we know we're gonna get a couple guys that we weren't sure about when you committed in the summer and we're in it for a few more guys here i get that uh kind of thinking um you know same thing along the defensive line you know when they're letting a guy like james lynch go who's really good high quality you know defensive end 
Uh, it seems like they have a couple things lined up. Uh, to me, those things are Brandon Peely, uh, you know, Myron Tagovailoa, Mosa. You know, Peely's a guy that blew up late. USC didn't even know about when they had James Lynch committed. You know, he Brandon Peely became a big deal. Uh, you know, after the season started, uh, I think USC thinks they're going to get a guy like that. And, and you know, Tagovailoa and Mosa, I think they definitely feel like they're going to get him. He's a defensive tackle that they need, and and a guy you know that, that they didn't identify until later as well. So I get you know why you lose a guy along the defensive line while you tell him, hey, you know what, we're moving on. And then you just have the other name. Some of the other names that have just always been out there, you know, at those positions that you have to consider. There's a lot that can happen. I, I even think you're seeing um, things happen with some of the recruits that, that USC was, you know, in on uh, along those two positions. Um, it seems like USC is kind of just – you know, let guys go maybe that were committed and that they were still fighting for. Um, or maybe, you know, I, I think of a long, you know, defensive end. I think of a guy like Ryan Johnson, who at one time was so locked into visiting USC. And now it seems like he's not. And I'm like, wow, how did USC let him get away? You know what? They didn't. They have guys coming in that they feel good about. I think they feel like they're going to, they're going to, finish pretty nicely along the defensive line you know uh they might hit a home run and sign a big time guy that we weren't expecting i mean even some of the guys out west that it seems like they're in a battle for i mean it's usc they could totally get those guys so we'll see um i just yeah i think you're right on marty when when you you know you're asking and wondering you know does usc have something lined up of course they do i i hope i gave you enough names um i can on the board go through it some more if you're not satisfied but yeah i'm they're losing three-star guys to try to bring in five-star guys, and even though those are high-quality three-star guys, their 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 class is, has you know a higher potential, a higher ceiling because of how well they've done on the field this year, and they're going to take advantage of that. And I think that's exactly what's happening. Thank you so much for the question, as always, Marty. Alan B thirty-one comes in. He's asking a question about BKU, Kadenshu Desi. My question is short and simple. Is BKU getting credit for the improvement in the D-line that he deserves? And is it transferring to recruiting like his mentor, Coach O? Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, and thanks for reading all the questions and your patience with them, Alan B. Thank you. Thank you for being a member of the site. Thank you for asking a question, and thank you for your patience with us since you asked this question on December 9th, and it's December 19th now. Um, you know, I'm with you. I think, you know, Kenanchu Desi, even as a guy, you know, me, I will admit, I was very critical of him being chosen as USC's defensive line coach. I thought that was ridiculous. I thought, you know, you gave up. A guy like Chris Wilson here, the Philadelphia Eagles hired to hire a graduate assistant. What are you thinking? That's silly. I was all over USC about this. You guys remember, I was I was ripping into them. I thought it was ridiculous. He's done a great job, especially considering the roster he's had and the fact that really it feels like, you know, if Stevie Tukolovachi went down, they wouldn't have a lot of depth outside of him, maybe just Rasheem Green and then some bodies. He's done an amazing job. I think it is transferring to recruiting too. I think that while he has a disadvantage over some of these guys that are bigger name guys, you know, he 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 does great with the kids. I think he comes off great with them. He's a younger guy, more energetic. Kind of, I think he connects, you know, to the younger generation. I mean, when I was in seventh grade, he was in college. I'm 26. He's closer to my age. You know, he's closer to that high school age, whatever. 
I think it's working. I think his resume uh, is appealing to you because you, you look at him and he's like, hey, you know, I was a former top recruit. I went to USC. I left in three years. I left with all these records. I went to the NFL. And if I didn't, you know, if I didn't get sick, who knows how good I would have been. And now, you know, you're being fortunate enough to be coached by me, a guy that, you know, had all the potential in the world whose career was basically, it felt like it was derailed because of illness. Uh, I think that that's a big pitch to kids and their parents. And I think it's working out because you hear a lot of these kids that I talked to mention their relationship with him, mention how much they like him. I mean, I just talked to uh, a 2018 recruit uh, who picked up an offer the other day, Trevor Trout, who's a Rivals 100 guy. I think right on the board of being a five-star, he's ranked like 30-something in the country, so he is a five-star, basically. And he said, you know, I had a five-minute conversation with uh, Kenenshu Desi, and I already love that guy, and I trust him, and I could just tell he's a good guy. He is, he's coming off you know, uh, well to recruits in a big time fashion. And it's a big deal. And and I'm blown away. I'm highly impressed with him. And, you know, uh, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm not entirely ready to say I'm sold on him because it's been one season. I wouldn't do that. You know, I feel like that'd be premature, but he's really on the path to proving, you know, me wrong and to making me look stupid, which I know a lot of you guys are like, ha you always look stupid, Chris, but seems like he's going to make me eat some crow. I'm happy to say that because I remember watching him as a kid. I liked him as a kid when he was at USC, so it's a good thing. Um, but yeah, I think that you're definitely, you know, you're starting to see the recruits notice him. And I think that if the USC keeps winning and the defensive line keeps performing the way it has been, especially despite all the problems they've had, you know, he's going to keep getting a lot of credit for what he's doing. Free Lane K is in the username I love. Oh, man. Uh, who is your season MVP? Eliminate Darnold from the discussion. Oh, you. You knew who I was going to pick. Sam Darnold's my season MVP. Although Adoree Jackson has been great this year, Stevie T has been the most valuable player. Your thoughts? You know what? I agree with you. Um, I picked Stevie Torikolovatu earlier um, for my most valuable defensive player. I'm with you. I think that the Adoree Jackson thing is, is just kind of about the big name, getting the recognition. That's kind of how it works sometimes. So I, you know, what I would totally be be down with you picking Stevie T for this award. I'd have to give it to Donald. I know you eliminated him from consideration, but I don't know who else I'd give it to. Honestly, I, Adoree Jackson's a great player. I don't see him as a team MVP. I don't see you know anybody else on offense really. You know, outside of Sam Darnold, I can't really pick anybody else. On defense, I think you have the right guy. So I'll go with your pick, Freelanke, if I can't pick uh, Sam Darnold. So thank you for the question. Our good friend, uh, SCTMBP, or I'm sorry, SCTMPBB asks uh, this question. When talking about great SC quarterbacks, I'm wondering where Todd... M, why Todd M and Rodney Pete are never mentioned. Todd was a great athlete who could really read the defense. Too bad Larry Smith was too insecure to let him play to his full potential. I love it when people rip on coaches. I love it. And Rodney, if I remember correctly, All-American in second place for the Heisman. In the Rose Bowl, Rodney took a a botched-up snap from center and made it play out of nothing by running it to the edge for a TD. From Rob in the Rockies, I guess that's our good friend, SCT, MPBB. I appreciate the question. I think you're right on, too. I honestly do. I think that, you know, both those guys should be mentioned um, as, as much as possible when talking about great USC quarterbacks. I think that the what happened is... 
is the Pete Carroll era. I really do. Um, and I've talked about this with a lot of people too. Uh, I bring up John David Booty, uh, who a lot of people just kind of, you know, sneer at, uh, and, and think down on, uh, for some reason. But if John David Booty was, you know, Pete Carroll's first quarterback, he would be, you know, in, in the discussion as one of the greatest USC quarterbacks of all time. I obviously think, you know, more of, uh, the two guys that you mentioned than him, uh, just as overall players. But I, I think that when you look at the statistics that happened with the Pete Carroll era, the evolution of offenses in college in general, the stats that are being put up combined with the winning, you know, how much they came back, the, the, you know, as it might not be fair, but you know they since they did win so much with Matt Leinard, he's kind of he kind of gets a lot of credit for it. You know Carson Palmer helped them respark the program, so he gets a lot of credit too. I I just think that you know that whole era, um, because of how USC came back, because of the way that dynasty ended up being, um, because of uh, the the high level of quarterback play that was at USC because of the era and you know how quarterbacks became more important to USC than they maybe ever were before you know uh, I think all of that kind of changed the discussion of quarterbacks at USC I know it's always a big time position at this program it's a big deal but you know they didn't win a Heisman at quarterback until right Pete Carroll got there they was all running backs it was a running back school under Pete Carroll you know it became more about the the golden boy poster child Hollywood quarterback and so I think that that's why you know some of the the quarterbacks that that kind of push up against that era a little bit obviously not right there but they're pushing up against it you know kind of the the start of one USC dynasty and the end of another in between I think they get lost uh, in the discussion so I think that's what happened Um, that was our last question so thank you so much uh, for asking it, Rob in the Rockies. If that was your first one, thank you so much for asking your first question. Thank you so much to everyone who asked questions on the show. As always, it was a long one. I'm looking at the recording right now. We're, we're getting close to an hour and a half, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope I answered everything thoroughly. There were a couple questions that we skipped uh, just because, you know, some time passed. They got answered, uh, you know, through practice reports or on the board already or whatever else. If I did miss you and you felt like you haven't seen your question, get answered. Answered, go ahead and ask it uh, on the message board. We'll get to you. If you're not a member of Trojansports.com, please sign up. You can ask all these questions anytime you want. Uh, you know, there's also lots of other benefits with being a member. You know, access to all of our story stories across the entire Rivals Network. Access to recruiting analysts. You can ask them questions, read their stories, whatever else. Um, lots of things I'm missing. I'm sure. You know, great insights from Adam Maya, Scott Schrader, Mike Singer. Uh, hard work from our intern Drew Krinsky uh, you know some of our other staff members who are out there uh, you know at all these games uh, you know people like McKenna Keel Lisa Hernandez Andy Hagman just just tons of people that you know have come on this site and and have helped us make a great product it's worth buying and and maybe the best thing is you can have dinner with Scott Schrader and I in Long Beach if if you sign up and you figure out what you know the the time and place for that so uh, yeah thanks again for listening I appreciate you whether or not you know you subscribe or not I hope you do Log on to Trojansports.com and check it out either way. Uh, yeah, and, and hopefully I'll talk to you next week, especially if I can get my staff you know, to put in some hard work on a podcast again. Uh, but either way, good talking with you guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much again. Whew, all those questions answered. 
Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks to everybody who asked questions at Trojansports.com. If you're not subscribing to Trojan Sports, what are you doing, homeboy? Cheaper than a couple cups of Starbucks coffee in your week. Subscribe now, Trojansports.com, and get geared up. we got specials going on. Get ready for 2017, the right way and the Rose Bowl. And, of course, always subscribe to this podcast at iTunes uh, and at Audioboom. And, of course, available at Trojansports.com. Click Other, go down, boom, right there, Trojansports.com podcast. Well, hey, everybody. If we don't talk to you before then, although I think we will, have a Merry Christmas. It's December 20th, just a few more days. Maybe Trojansports.com is the gift for your friend in your life. You never know. Get him a subscription. Get her a subscription. Get somebody a subscription. Get yourself a subscription, please. I am Chris Morales. We'll talk to you soon right here at Trojansports.com.